have covered Mike Tomlin's entire tenure as head coach in Pittsburgh. I have never once come close to suggesting that he'd lost even a fraction of control. I'm going to do this today for the first time. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Tomlin held his weekly press conference, as always, yesterday, Tuesday afternoon. And everything that he said, or almost everything that he said after his trademark two-word opening, good afternoon, didn't really sound like a head coach who had a grip on everything that was happening around or underneath him. And I got to tell you, that's unsettling. That's almost as unsettling as some of the recent results for this football team. Because if he's losing control or a grip or a handle on solutions or potential solutions, there's no way out of this. And by this, trust me, I'm not referring to the 2021 season because I don't think there's any way out of this regardless. I mean this as in this broader mess that this franchise has dug for itself. I don't even know where to start with all this stuff from yesterday, but I guess Adrian Clem would be a a good candidate. Here's what Tomlin had to say about the departure of his offensive line coach two days ago. Uh, let me start by saying I'm so appreciative of his efforts. Um, the landscape that is coaching is changing each and every year. Uh, we see it. Decisions are being made earlier in the processes. Colleges, um, uh, the processes are happening faster. People are, you know, making hires and so forth. The financial component in our business is making college football much more competitive. And so we're all getting faced with challenges that we really weren't faced with in the past. And so you know, we made the decision, I made the decision to allow Clem to move on to Oregon. It provides tremendous clarity for us as we zero in on the last component of this season. Now, there's a fair amount to unpack there. Because what you're looking at, really, is Tomlin having told this guy, wait a second, you're doing what when the season ends? You're leaving? Oh, okay, well... Uh, we want volunteers here, not hostages or whatever. See you. Get out of here. Go away. You weren't doing any good anyway. Now, would it be kicking someone on the way out the door had Tomlin been really blunt or candid about this? Sure. Would it have hurt his prospects for hiring future assistant coaches or something like that. I, I tried to run that through my head too. No, it's the National Football League. There's only 32 teams. There's only X number of these jobs available on the planet. Would he have been sending 
the same messages regarding his coaches as he has with his players, like sending Melvin Ingram on his way, or LeGarrette Blunt or Le'Veon Bell or whoever. Sure. But he didn't. He allowed to stand a precedent where it's kind of okay for someone to just walk out on the Pittsburgh Steelers for a college job, a lateral positional move to a college by some nobody who hadn't even been on the job for a full NFL season. He allowed that to stand. I, I, I don't even need to go on in this episode to make it sound like this coach is losing something here. But I'm going to. I'm going to regardless. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Tomlin went on to say that he's looking forward to seeing what the Steelers can learn about and maybe benefit from promoting Chris Morgan, who had been Clem's assistant. Here again, opportunity to say something of worth, to take an action of worth, and instead, this was what Tomlin had to say to that subject. Uh, it also gives me an opportunity to evaluate CMO. Who will, be an, who will get an opportunity to be elevated in his role. Simo is, is, is very credible. Uh, he was a lead line coach in Atlanta Falcons for a number of years before he got here. He's also had the unique perspective of, of being in a support capacity throughout the 2021 season, but also having intimate enough relationships with what's going on in the staff and among the players. Um, I'm really excited about his elevation and, and the component that it could bring to us. I'm going to translate that for you. Chris Morgan will be the next offensive line coach full-time of the Pittsburgh Steelers because this head coach has absolutely no intention of setting up a national search for the most qualified candidate because what matters the most to him is being able to walk down the hall, knock on a door, and find someone that he already either trusts or knows that he can control. And that's his priority over finding the best and brightest minds to help this football team become great. I wrote this before Clem was gone. I wrote it from Kansas City after the game. And he, meaning Tomlin, played it right out, right in front of your eyes and ears. Chris Morgan will be the next offensive line coach of the Steelers, if Tomlin has his way, which he shouldn't. Here's another one. This is Tomlin on Matt Canada. Asked about Matt Canada's play calling. I have no reservations about the play calling component uh, of his job and what he's done, uh, but I also will acknowledge there's probably a learning curve at, at, at every uh, job um, that, that, that pertains to the National Football League. 
equipment man, a, a college equipment man that becomes a pro equipment man. His job is somewhat different, as I'm sure someone that covers, covers college football in your space, um, it becomes significantly different when they cover professional football. I think uh, that's a reasonable discussion regardless of what we're talking about in our, in our ecosystem that is football. Okay. I mean, at least I get that one. You know, you're not going to bury the coordinator that's on your staff while he's still employed. That's not necessarily flailing. But you know what is? Suggesting later on that he'd be okay with turning the keys over to Ben Roethlisberger to call plays for the rest of the season. This was actually spoken. This was a real thing that happened in this press conference. You know, I'm not opposed to that. Ben is always a, a component of planning, particularly as it pertains to starts. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that's been on the job 18 years at the quarterback position. Um, you know, it, it'd be foolish for us not to include him in the process. So I'm not going to pretend like that has not been a component or, or, or part of the discussions as it pertains to the development of plans to this point in the season. Flailing. That's how this whole thing felt. At one point, Tomlin was reviewing things that happened in the 36-10 loss to the Chiefs and things that you know went wrong that could have gone the other way. And one of the sequences that he mentioned incredibly – hang on, I'm, I'm going to play this one for you too. You know, I thought the significant, a significant down early in the game was an uh, interception. We were able to get on third down and 11, but they utilized cadence as a weapon and got a free five and a free down that negated that turnover that we produced. And so um, it just wasn't our day largely. He is suggesting there that the Steelers' offside penalty negated what should have been an interception for Akella Witherspoon in the end zone. This is nuts. That was a free play. I mean, nobody wants me screaming in their ears this early in the morning, but that was a free play. Patrick Mahomes kind of knows what he's doing. All Mahomes did was take one extra step back and flick it up in the air. He didn't care at all what happened to that football. If it was caught, great. Six points for Kansas City. If it wasn't or if it was picked off, it doesn't matter. Free play. He knows that. He knows that. Why include that in there? And I'm not nitpicking here. It might sound like it. But for this head coach of an NFL team to sit there at this press conference and offer that as an example either means and this is unthinkable, so, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, that he doesn't understand that it was a free play, or B, that he thinks all of us are stupid, not just those of us reporters who participate in this sort of thing, but by extension, all of you. You're all idiots. That he can just say whatever it is that he wants, and because he says it, it's fact. This is problematic. I am not hyping this. I'm not over-dramatizing it because, you know, they've lost a handful of games or anything like that. I have never, never seen or heard this head coach this way. And I actually don't know what it signifies 
if anything. When we come back, just one question. comes from Rocco who asks, I'm puzzled as to how Adrian Clem could have been so remarkably inept at his job. He was on the offensive line for three of Tom Brady's Super Bowls in New England, so he was being coached by Dante Scarnecchia. He coached in college under two former NFL head coaches, and both of them promoted him. He coached under Mike Munchak while with the Steelers. How could he have been this bad at teaching offensive linemen how to improve. The short answer to that, Rocco, well, actually, hang on, I'm going to give you two of them. One of them, even though it's stating the obvious, I feel is necessary. And that is that this wasn't exactly the best clay any artist has ever been handed. Uh, you can make bad players into not-so-bad players, and you can make average players into something a little bit better than that. But your starting point is your starting point. The book is still very much out on some of the younger guys on this line. And I really feel that that's fair. As tough as I've been on Kendrick Green, I haven't pronounced his career DOA. Maybe he'll have to move to guard or something else. But there's a reason that he not only was drafted by the Steelers, but he would have been drafted by somebody. That's the pedigree that he had at Illinois. He's not done, but he might not be very good. Dan Moore isn't done either, but he also might not be very good. Kevin Dotson, same thing. You can go even and include Chooks Okorafor, although it's his fourth season. It was his second as a starter. He was at right tackle, a position that was a little bit different than the one that he himself considers to be his natural one, and that's the left tackle. And, you know, <laughs> that was it. So I'm not excusing Clem. I think he was terrible at his job, but I feel that at least bears a mention for fullest context. As for how... Someone can be good at something, but not be good at teaching it or relaying it. I mean, that happens in real life, too. You know, we always look at this from a sports standpoint. And anytime, by the way, there's an opening for a job, any of your favorite teams, who are the first names you start thinking of? Yeah, it's former players, players who you liked as players. But who is it that actually ends up? with those jobs, almost always, not just limited to football, almost always it's someone who didn't make it, who only made it part of the way, was frustrated and unsatisfied and wanted to continue, desperately wanted to continue in that sport. The skills that come with coaching and teaching aren't necessarily the same skills as you had in being a player, even a very good player, the way Clem was. It can be about communication. It can be about relating. It can be about patience. 
everything that I heard about Clem as the offensive line coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, meaning none of the other things that you mentioned just this year, was that he was in miles over his head. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, he was calling around for help during the season. He was calling around looking for answers. Talk about flailing as I was in the opening segment. This was the ultimate example of flailing on this football team. And these things aren't always translatable. Maybe it's dealing with the pros. Maybe it's dealing with the pressure of the NFL. Maybe college will be a better fit for him. Obviously a lower level of football. And when you're dealing with student athletes and they're more likely to listen to everything you say and so forth, it comes with less of a a burden, less stress. And he was also known as a really, really good recruiter in college. So maybe he can be that for Oregon and get some of his confidence and moxie back and not worry about who he has to call for help. But the other thing I feel like that it's worth mentioning here is that the more we talk about Clem, you know, the more it's going to sound like we're isolating blame on one person for this offensive line. If we did that, we'd be doing it to the wrong person. Ultimately, in this hierarchy, per everything that I understand about how the Steelers are run, if this head coach, head coach, had wanted an offensive line that was more experienced, more savvy, more expensive, all that other stuff, he'd have had it. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't push for it. Why? Arrogance. He thought he could just wave a magic wand and turn Kendrick Green into Marquise Pouncey and so forth. So blaming Clem for this would make, ooh, I guess almost as much sense as blaming Clem for promoting himself when in fact they could have conducted a national search. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one tomorrow.